Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Good morning, good morning. So good to have you here this morning. Are you happy to be here? You look like you're happy to be here. As you just heard Sean say, today's the fifth and final installment of This Is Us. And all month long we've been talking about who Community Christian Church is, who we are as a church. And contrary to what you may think, all churches are not created equal. All churches are not the same, just like all restaurants are not the same. Most restaurants have their specialty. Take Da Francesco's Italian restaurant, for instance. At Da Francesco's, you're going to get a pretty good dish of pasta. You're not going to get that same dish of pasta over at the Coney Island. Lord have mercy. You're going to get a hot dog and chili fries. And you might like that. Even though most Christian churches preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we are not like every other church. This church, Community Christian Church, is unique, and God has given us a very distinct mission and purpose. Now, way back in 1992, when we first started the church, we came up with five core values that represent who we are. Five values of the kinds of things that are important to us. And for the sake of remembering, and so that we could rehearse this and review it on a regular basis, we wrapped those five core values around the word grace. And so for the last time in this series, let's do this again together, okay? Here it is. Let's say them together. God deserves to be first. Relationships matter. Acts of service, compassion for others. Everything belongs to God. And what we do as a church, we've built around those five core values. And today I'd like to talk about the E in grace. Everything belongs to God. And again, we didn't come up with this all by ourselves because we're super creative people. Just like the other four, the G-R-A-N-C, we took the E right from the Word of God. And there are many passages of Scripture that we could have selected, but we chose one that David wrote about in the Psalms. In Psalm 24 and verse 1, here's what David said. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's. The earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That means whatever you lay your hands on or your eyes on, it all belongs to God. God is the real owner. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And out of the kindness and goodness of his heart, he allows us to manage his stuff. God gives us the privilege of overseeing all of his businesses. And I'm talking about our income, uh, the money we make, all of the resources that we have. That belongs to God. And God allows us to oversee all that. But here's what God says, and he says this in his word from cover to cover. In order to make my enterprise work, in order for the kingdom of God to run the way that I've intended it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me 10% of 
of all that you make. 10% of all that you earn. That's my fee, God said. That's my cut. I want you to bring that to the local church that you attend so that my ministry can continue. And keep in mind, God said, don't just tithe when you attend church. That's your tithe for the year. And this is a, a message for everyone. It's not just for the old people who are retired and don't have any money to spend. You know, they don't have anything to spend their money on. It's not just for the young people. It's not for people with jobs. It's not for people who make a ton of money. God said to all of us, here's what I want you to do. Trust me with your finance. And I want you to give me the 10%. I want you to bring me a tithe. And we've used a visual of this in the past, and I'm going to bring it back. This is what it looks like. This is my favorite. It's a Ben Franklin, $100 bill. But we could have used any denomination. Could have used the one, could have used the 10 or 20. And here's what God says. Out of all the money that you make, what I want you to do is give me the first 10%. This belongs to me. The rest of it belongs to you. And as you can see, this is still a pretty good chunk of change. This is your 90%. You can barely see the amount that God is asking for us. And here's what God says in his word. And this is consistent throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. God says, if you would be willing to honor me with the tithe, if you would trust me with your finances, then I would stretch and increase this 90%. In fact, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. If you would be faithful to bring me my 10%, I will open the windows, throw them open, and I will pour out a blessing so that this 90% will actually get you further than the 100% without God. Amen. That's the promise that we have in the Word of God. So for all of you start to think, oh, wait a minute, you know, this is 90, I, you know, I need the 100. You know, God says, you give me the 10, and I'm going to take care of the 90. I don't want that to fall. I'll leave it there. Now, check it out. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How many believe that? How many believe Genesis 1-1? He didn't just remake, redesign, or refashion what was already there. No, the scripture says he created it. That's the God that we serve. He is a creator God. He can speak something out of nothing. And then he holds it together with the word of his power. And if you truly believe that, if you believe that the God that we serve is a creator God, then just think what he can do with the 90% of our income. For God, the sky's the limit. And so what I want you to try to do is think outside of your own terms, out of your own mind, and try to get a bigger vision, a, a, a godly vision of this whole thing called finance. Because oftentimes it's a little difficult to talk about money in church. People get real quiet. But God says, I can do something with your 90%. I can stretch it. I can increase it. I can bless it like you wouldn't believe. And so since I'm fixating on the 10% today, probably more than I have in the past, and since this is going to be what I call a good old-fashioned tithe message, 
I rarely do it, maybe once or twice a year. What I'd like to do for you today is encourage you with 10 benefits of tithing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to you about the benefits of tithing rather than, you know, hit you over the head with what the Bible says regarding tithing. I just want you to know the benefits, the bonuses, and the blessing that can come your way when you're willing to take this step of faith and trust God with your money. And you don't have to ask me. You can talk to anyone else here who's a tither, anyone who's learned uh, this spiritual principle of tithing, and they will tell you that these 10 benefits are true. So we're going to talk about the 10 benefits of tithing, and number one, right out of the starting gate, tithing will make you happy. Say that. Tithing will make you happy. And judging from what I can see here, some of you need a little happiness in your life. Tithing will put a big smile on your face and on your heart because it'll give you a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment. And the Bible tells us that God loves when we're happy. And just so you know, everything that I'm going to say to you today comes right from the Scripture. I'm going to use the Bible itself, the passages from the Bible, to confirm everything that I talk to you about today, these 10 benefits of tithing. And if you're here for the first time, and if, or if you've never heard uh, the message of tithing, and you're wondering, how in the world can this guy get away with talking about money uh, in church? Uh, let me just say to you, thank God you're here, because today's your lucky day. What you're going to hear will be better than any other financial seminar you could ever attend, because this stuff comes right from the Word of God. I promise you it's coming from God's Word. God wants his people happy. And when you tithe, it will make you happy on the inside. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you. Someone's giggling over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or feeling the pressure to give, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek is the word hilaros. It literally means... or it comes from our English word, hilarious. Side-splitting, gut-busting, slap-happy kind of living. If Pastor Dan were here, he would say, a hoot. (laughs) This is the kind of emotion that God wants us to have when we start talking about giving and tithing. And the reason we're so happy is because of the very next verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. When you give cheerfully, when you can get past yourself and willingly and obediently take God at his word when it comes to giving, the Bible says that God is able to make all grace abound to you. How much grace? Do you have any idea how big all grace is? When you give cheerfully, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The message says, or calls all grace giving, God pouring out blessing in astonishing ways. And so when we give cheerfully, when we get excited and happy about being able to give to God, God adds his grace his blessing, and his increase to everything that we give. And there's no telling what can happen there. So, number one, the first benefit 
is tithing will make you happy. Number two, God will meet your needs. Not everything you want. That's not what the scripture says, but he'll meet what you need. He'll prove himself to you to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply or meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. As a tither, when you have a financial need, something you absolutely have to have, even if it represents a huge hurdle for you, it's not a huge hurdle for God. And somehow, some way, God will hear your prayer and God will respond to you. Now, I remember, still remember, years and years ago, shortly after Therese and I were married, that we started looking for our own house to live in. We wanted to own our own home. At the time I was working in Detroit, had to live in Detroit. We lived in an apartment. Tony Jr. decided to join the family. And so we wanted our own home. But we didn't have any money. In fact, we were broke and we were in debt. As a result, I couldn't get any of the banks to give me a loan or a mortgage. They kept talking about this thing called collateral. They said, you need collateral. I was 23 years old. I didn't have any collateral. I was a tither, but I didn't have any collateral. In fact, right about six or eight months before this time, Teresa and I had heard about tithing for the very first time in our lives, and we decided to take the challenge and do it but we didn't have any collateral. Well, Therese had a very generous godmother who had inherited some stock. And so what we asked her to do, because we needed this collateral, was for her to put up $20,000 of her stock as collateral so that we could obtain our loan. The bank said that they, they, she would need to freeze it for about three to five years just so that we could make some payments and establish some credit. So I got the nerve to ask her if she would be willing to do that. Would you please just put aside 20000 that was the price of the house, would you put aside $20,000 of your stock? We're not going to touch it, we're not going to take it, it's still going to be there, it's just collateral. Well, she didn't really understand that, and I could tell that it was bothering a little bit. She says, you know, let me think about it, and I'll get back with you. She called me the very next day, early in the morning, and I could tell by the way she was talking and the sound of her voice that she just wasn't going to do this. And she said, I'm sorry, I really would like to help you guys in this, but I, I can't uh, divide up my stock. It's my safety net down the road. I want to keep it together. I, I just can't, I can't do that. She goes, but I do have $20,000 cash that I could loan you interest-free if that would help. I said, I think that could help. Do you have any idea how beneficial it is to have a house loan interest-free? We paid that house off, $20,000, $22,000 to be exact, seven years later. And it put us in tremendous financial position when the Lord would call us out of the police department and go into full-time ministry. God will meet your needs. Okay, number three. The third benefit of tithing is you'll have more than you expect you will find yourself with more than you expect. Uh, you will literally experience leftovers and not a deficit. In the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles, right around 700 BC, the children of Israel decided to make some serious religious reforms under King Hezekiah. And one of those reforms uh, 
was this whole issue of tithing. God had given them the instruction, actually the commandment to tithe. They had gotten away from it. And when King Hezekiah became king, he was a good king, he pressed the people to get back to the place of tithing. And 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verses 4 through 10 says, Hezekiah required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so that they, the priests, could devote themselves fully to the work of the Lord. When the people heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain. They brought the first share of their new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. You see that word first? Thank you, Tree. She saw it. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, in lesson number two of this series, we talked about God deserving to be first. And I said to you, one of the ways that we can appropriate that in our lives today is by giving God the first part of our finance. That's tithing. That's what it means to give him the first part. And here in verse 5, the scripture tells us that in response to the instructions by King Hezekiah to get back to the tithe, the people gave God the first share. And they brought a large quantity, a tithe, the scripture says, 10% of all that they produced. They brought in a tithe of their cattle and a tithe of their sheep and goats and they piled them up in great heaps. All the people responded and there were these huge piles all around. Verse 8, when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw it, they thanked the Lord and his people. Where did all this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites. And Azariah the priest replied, since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed his people and all this is left over. Last verse, one more time. The Lord has blessed his people and all this is left over. All right, here in this passage, Hezekiah gives instruction for the people to bring their tithe. And they responded. And he, he, he couldn't believe it. He was amazed when he saw piles and piles of food and supplies. Not in a million years did he expect to see all of that stuff. And so he said to the priest, where in the world did this all come from? And do you remember the priest's response? It came from the people. They tithed, they brought all of the stuff to the Lord, and then the Lord blessed it, and as a result, we had all these leftovers. See, that's the order. People want to make it a different order. But the order is, you respond to God, you bring the tithe, God blesses the tithe, and then there's leftovers. Plenty to spare, more than you would expect. God said he would do that. He would give us that kind of abundance. All right, number four. God will increase your seed money so that you can become more generous. One more time. God will increase your seed money so that you can become even more generous. Tithing enables us to become a recipient of this incredible spiritual principle called sowing and reaping. And this has been around since the beginning of time. God instituted sowing and reaping. And with sowing and reaping, you will actually have more for yourself. And this scripture says that we're about to read, you'll have more to give away. That's what seed money is. It's the money you sow. It's the money you plant. It's the money you give away. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 and then 10. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Do you see that? Who's the one who supplies seed and bread? God is the one who gives us that. Remember, he, he, it all belongs to him. He gives us the abilities to have good things. And he increases what we can plant and what we can sow. And because of God, there is this incredibly spiritual principle in the life of a seed. It has the power to produce after its own kind. And in the world of agriculture, a seed will make or break you. How many of you know farmers need seed? You have to have seed. You can't eat your seed. You can't save your seed. What do you do with seed? You plant it. You sow it. You give it away. And this scripture says that not only will God give you what you need, he'll increase the seed that you have so you can be more generous. Now, take the wonderful world of corn. Corn is a multi-billion with a B, a multi-billion dollar a year business. Last year in the United States alone, farmers raised a record-breaking 14 and a half billion bushels of corn. Most of it came from Iowa. And I've been through Iowa now a couple of times. You don't see anything but cornfields. All right, one bushel of corn seed weighs right around 56 pounds. And in that bushel of corn seed, you're going to find about 90,000 kernels of corn. Follow me here now. It takes somewhere between 32 and 35,000 kernels of corn to plant one acre of land. And so one bushel of corn seed weighs 56 pounds, 90,000 kernels. It pretty much can cover two and a half acres of land. All farmers know that when they plant one bushel of corn seed on two and a half acres of land, that one bushel will end up yielding 325 bushels. One bushel of planted corn, not sitting in a shed somewhere, not in his savings account somewhere, but one bushel of planted corn seed put into the ground will yield 325 bushels of corn. Check it out. That's what it looks like. That's a lot of corn. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. And this is what God said in his word when we're told that he will multiply our seed money so that we would have even more seed to be able to sow and give. All right, that leads us to number five. Tithing will destroy the monster of more. Say that. Tithing will destroy the monster of more. And I'm talking about the spirit of selfishness and greed. And from my perspective, I don't know of anything more destructive on the face of the whole earth than greed. Greed has caused people to do some pretty dark things. And the word of God tells us that the tithe, learning the principle of tithing, 
is one of the best ways to slay this monster. You see, we just have the human tendency to want some things. And if we don't stop greed dead in its tracks, then what's going to happen is sooner or later we're going to find ourselves with an insatiable appetite for stuff. More and more stuff. That's why I call it the monster of more. And then our possessions are going to define us. And we're going to measure our success by how much stuff we have. And then we're going to only feel content and secure if we have just as much as everyone else has. And then what happens on the other side of that kind of mindset is this concept that it's mine. It's mine. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. And nobody is going to tell me otherwise. Nobody is going to tell me how to spend my money and how dare anybody force me to bring a portion of my money to the church. Well, keep 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 in mind. Here's what it says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is money the root of evil? It's the love of money. It's the the desire for money. And the scripture goes on to say, and some people eager for money, those who've yet to contain this monster of more, they've not only wandered from the faith, but they pierced themselves with many griefs. This is what Paul was instructing Timothy to be aware of so that he could teach the church that sometimes, if we're not careful, it's actually going to come back in negative waves on us. And one such grief is consumer debt. According to the research, consumer debt is the number one cause of financial ruin and devastation. Debt destroys financial freedom. And it's usually, not always, but usually because we've developed this mindset that I just have to have it. I have to have the latest and greatest. Can't afford it, but I want it. Remember, God said he'll provide and supply your needs, not your wants. And when we get into the area of everything that we want, that's when we find ourselves in a little bit of trouble. And so let me repeat what I said a few moments ago. Tithing is a beautiful way. It's God's way to help us check this monster of more that's inside of each one of us. All right, that takes us to number six. We're halfway there. Tithing will allow you to experience and enjoy wealth. Tithing will allow you to experience wealth, to enjoy wealth, and guess what? God is okay with that. God is okay with you having some good things. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, here's what David wrote. Praise the Lord, my soul... All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. His what? His benefits. He forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Verse 5, who satisfies your desires with good things. How does God satisfy the desires of his people? With good things. The best things the greatest things. 
Again, every good, every perfect gift comes from God. And God doesn't mind us having good stuff. As long as we put our income and giving into perspective and respond to him accordingly, he doesn't mind us having the best of things. Again, it was David in Psalm 23, probably the most popular of all the Psalms, who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and his staff comforts me. God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. And every now and then he throws me a little something to put in my cup. He gives me a little drink of water. Is that what David said? No, my cup runs over. Over the top. As tithers, we can expect that kind of blessing coming from the Lord. Jesus said, when you give, it's going to come back, what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You see, the Lord knows the secret desires in your heart. And he longs to bless you and meet those desires with good things. He wants you to enjoy good things. Tithing benefit number seven. It's contagious. Tithing is contagious. And your giving inspires and encourages others to give. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul said, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, who said those words? Remembering the words that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we throw that around. We throw that statement around. But have you really taken the time to comprehend it, wrap your mind around it? Is it really more of a blessing for you to give than to receive? Man, we love to receive. Everybody does. But there is a blessing that comes when we can work this equation out in our mind and balance it out and listen to the words of Jesus when he said, you want to be blessed? There is more of a blessing that comes to you when you can be generous and give than when it comes back your way. Now, I want to tell you a story, and I made reference to this story about five years ago during a sermon, but it's such a good story, I just have to tell it again. And again, this is a, 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 an accumulation, uh, an assortment of things that I've learned over the years that I'm sharing with you, all of these 10 benefits. Anyway, this story that I want to share with you is about Dave Ramsey. And early on in Dave Ramsey's life, he experienced some financial trouble. He went bankrupt. He talks all about this. It's what led him to become the money guy. And so his children wouldn't make the same mistakes that he made. He taught all of his children the value of money. He made it a point to make sure that his kids would not follow in his footsteps and make the same mistakes. And so teaching them about money, Dave Ramsey says at the top of the list, the very first principle and item that he taught his kids was about tithing. The same thing that I'm talking to you about this morning. See, I'm not the only one. 
He told his kids if they wanted to get ahead in the world financially, if they wanted God to bless their finances, they would have to give their first 10% to God. Then he taught them about saving. He taught them about emergency funds, staying out of debt. He taught them all those things. But at the very top, he taught them about tithing. And at first, they weren't really crazy about it. I mean, they didn't jump for joy. They weren't happy people. Because he also made them save money for their own car. He told them he wasn't going to buy their car, that if they wanted to drive a car when they got their driver's license, that they were going to have to save money and put it away. So they started stockpiling money from the time that they were very young. They took on odd jobs if they had you know, some chores around the house to do, and uh, they put that money away. Well, the first daughter, the oldest daughter, Denise, when she turned 16 years old and was ready to get a driver's license, she had saved $3,000. And that's when dad uh, revealed his plan and said, you saved $3,000, now I'm going to match your $3,000. We're going to put it together. Now you have $6,000 to go out and get a used car, which in that back in the day was a lot of money, $6,000. The second daughter, Rachel, did a little better than Denise. She was able to save $5,000, $5,000 by the time she was 16. And so Dave, dad, put the 5000 in with her 5000 they went out and got a beautiful $10,000 car. The third son, uh, the third kid is a, is a boy, his name is Danny. And Danny took this challenge to heart. And when he turned 16 years old and was ready to get his driver's license, he had saved $17,000. $17,000 in the bank at 16 years old because of the principles his dad taught him. Well, Dad said, Danny, I'm real proud of you, but I'm not matching the 17000 <laughs> In fact, it would be ridiculous for a 16-year-old to be driving around a $34,000 car. How about you put in seven, I'll put in seven, it'll give us $14,000 to buy the best car you could possibly imagine, and you got ten grand left over to do whatever you want. Well, Danny loved the idea, bought the $14,000 car. The very next year, when he turned 17, he, as a part of his high school project, he went on a mission trip. And he was moved by the tremendous needs in that country that he went to. So he came home from the mission trip, and he told his parents, he, he met with his parents, he says, you know, I'd like to give some of my car fund to missions. And buttons just started popping off of Dave Ramsey's shirt. I mean, he was so proud of his son. I mean, emotionally moved to the point of tears that his son would take some of his hard-earned money and put it towards missions. And so he said, son, how much do you want to give? What are you thinking? Danny said, I want to give it all. All 10000 his dad said, are you sure you worked hard for that money? It took you a long time to save that. How about a couple thousand? How about half? He said, I'll give it all. And that 17-year-old high school student wrote out a $10,000 check and gave it away to missions. He learned the principle that Jesus taught, that it's more of a blessing to give than to receive. And when you sow into the kingdom of God, that will come back to you. All right, three benefits left, and you'll be happy to know that we're going to address the last three together at the same time. Here they are. Number eight, 
Tithing sustains the local church. Number nine, tithing funds the Great Commission. Number 10, tithing meets the many needs of the least of these. One more time. It sustains the ministry of the local church. It funds the Great Commission, which is the sharing of the gospel message, and it reaches out to the many needs of the least of these. And as a tither, when you take God to heart and honor him with the tithe, and you bring 10% to the church that you attend, you become a shareholder in all of these spiritual investments that I just mentioned. That's right, you partner with the church. And you're a part of all of the wonderful blessings and all the wonderful things that can happen when the church gets involved in other people's lives. Community Christian Church is a tithing church. Some of you know that. Maybe some of you don't. We ask you to tithe 10% of your income. We tithe 10% of everything that's brought in. It's called the tithe on the tithe. That means 10% of all the money that you bring doesn't go to pay our bills or to give bonuses or payroll checks. It doesn't take care of maintenance of the building. It goes outside the walls of the church. And we take this responsibility of missions and outreach extremely serious. And you are a shareholder in all of that as a tither. It's a part of your eternal account. Every prayer that's prayed, every person that walks into the waters of baptism, every soul that gets saved, everything that we do, that all goes toward your account. It's logged, and you're a part of it. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourselves for treasure in heaven. Treasures in heaven. This is what you're doing when you commit to bringing that tithe to the local church. And your responsibility is to bring the tithe, and God deals harshly and accordingly with the church regarding the spending of that tithe. So here we go, one more time. Ten benefits of tithing. Number one, you'll be happy. God will meet your needs. You have more than you expect. God will increase your seed, your ability to give money away. Tithing destroys the monster of more. God wants you to enjoy wealth. Tithing will inspire others to give. It sustains the local church. It funds the Great Commission. It meets the many needs of the least of these. Thank you for listening. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray in these closing moments as we bring this message and series to an end that you would lift from the hearts, from the shoulders and the minds of anybody in this place any guilt or condemnation regarding the way that they've handled their finances in the past. And I pray today, Lord, that you would open their hearts to this teaching and challenge because today is the first day of our lives and we can make the necessary changes today. Thank you, Lord, for all that we have. In this country and in this land, we are blessed beyond measure. What we throw away, what we don't even acknowledge as things that we need would sustain 
families in other nations. And so we count our blessing. Lord, we thank you for the understanding, this core value deep within our soul, that everything we have has come from your hand. You're the one who allows us to be successful. You give us the ability to produce wealth. You're the one who blesses the work of our hands, gives us discipline, gives us initiative. Father, I pray for all of our young people that are here today because you want them to succeed. You want to place your anointing upon them to be creative and to invent new ideas and new things. Thank you for the brilliance that you've given to this millennial generation. We pray, Lord God, that they would take hold of this principle, that it all belongs to you. And by honoring you with the tithe, you have promised us a tremendous return. And I pray, Lord, blessing over your people. I thank you, Lord, for their generosity and willingness to remember the poor. Father, thank you for these benefits. I pray we wouldn't soon forget them. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.